Welcome to the Backwards Infect at Twitter and Gmail under that same name. I have just one question for you. How soon is now? All right, Luke. Yeah, so one of the words that um, recently I've been noticing popping up a lot is faith. And I started to think about faith and I realized that there's actually a lot of interesting contrast with that word faith. There's definitely a lot of people using it um, that I know are speaking truth that are ringing true, but it is kind of a tricky word. And I think for me, because the history of that word faith when I look back on my agnostic self, you have you have basically it came down to like optimism versus pe- pessimism. So if you consider yourself agnostic, you've just you've come to the conclusion that I don't know. You're asking yourself the big questions like, is there a God? I don't know. What happens when you die? I don't know. And you just get real comfortable with that answer. It's actually very, very intellectual because it's the most, I think, easily defensible intellectual position to have in the in the realm of spirituality. You can kind of go against atheists and then you can kind of go against believers and you can kind of play the middle and you can be like, I'm just comfortable and honest with myself because I don't know. But then even before, like I used to have what I considered faith, but before my faith was only just choosing to believe optimistically. So I don't know what's going to happen when you die. I don't know if there's a God, but I just know everything's going to be okay because I choose to be optimistic. And the only reason I'm choosing to be optimistic is because it's better than the alternative. It's better than the pessimistic. And those people are interesting, like the true detective, like nihilist type people that come along. Um, They're interesting to talk to, but they just always seemed just depressed. And um, so I, I didn't really want to push into that pessimistic crowd. So I always just stayed optimistic. But I would have called that faith. I have faith that everything's going to turn out okay. I see. After awakening, I think the word faith ends up being very, very similar to words like um, gratitude, meaning the experience has like a mechanical function on the word that now it has a process in your understanding that's way deeper than it was before. So now when I think of the word faith, I and it's funny because it is still kind of rooted in a lot of I don't know, like in terms of the big picture, like I don't know, like I know I'm in time here. And if I try to imagine what it's like outside of time, like, man, I know I can't comprehend that. But there is faith that the more that I'm disciplined to the process of my own presence, that 
that is the path to oneness, enlightenment, and God. So it's like a real mechanical faith now, where and it's just which seems to kind of double down devotion. So it, it all like works in tandem. And it's a it's a pro it's a process of mechanically understanding these words now, and it has definitely created like a pretty huge contrast from the way that I used to think about faith. It's interesting that you use the word gratitude because when I was thinking about this about an hour ago, like, well, it's very easy for me to put into words like pre-awakening what I think the definition of faith is in terms of a belief system and in terms of, you know, labeling something. Um, you can put your fingers on it and I can talk about that probably a lot more, but I, I asked myself this question. I was like, so what, how do you talk about faith post awakening? And what came to mind when I was sitting there was gratitude. How we talked on the podcast. Um, I don't know. We've, we've spent some time on gratitude before and we've come to the conclusion that you know, when you look at a belief system and you look pre-awakening, there's a lot of things that you do to like try to prove yourself in a belief system, but realizing that gratitude is like mechanical. Like you go out, I just, I just walked to the backyard and passed by KK on the way to the studio. And KK said, look at that flock of birds. It's just this massive, um, probably a migration pattern that she pointed out to me I was as I was walking over here and I just looked up and saw it and gratitude is built in. Like I see that I receive it and it's a built in mechanical thing that happens. And the comparison for me is the same with faith. When I look at, you know, pre-awakening or that label that I had on it. And even if you look at like old Testament stories, gets real crazy as far as what people would do to prove their faith. It was almost like action steps, like even down to like human sacrifice in the old Testament. They thought about, I'm going to show my faith in, you know, blindly to the God that I can't see by sacrificing my son or something. There's so many of those type stories in the old Testament where there's like a doing something to like prove your faith and prove is, is like a huge word for me with, with this whole situation because old pre-awakening it's, it's almost like a proving system because I look at people, you know, on our extended family where they're, in a belief system and if they feel like you're not in that totally they try to prove their rightness and they try to prove their faith like it's a it's a complete ego uh driven faith definition like there's an act of i i have to get to do something to 
make this other person understand that I have faith. So it really has nothing to do with like universe or like oneness or anything. It it just has to do with, again, our learned systems, our learned culture that people act those out in their behavioral patterns. So someone post awakening, as far as faith, you know, I, I've never sit down and have a conversation with anyone and try to prove myself because there's a bit of naturalness to it. If someone has ears, let them hear. If they don't, you just move on to the next person. There is no persuasion. There is no proving. There is no system that, that trying to, we've even said on the podcast many times, if something resonates and you get something from it, then receive it for what it is as though you just saw the flock of birds flying in the sky. When if that was 15 minutes and you never listen to us again and you go on your merry way, I mean, that's absolutely fine with, with us too. So there's no, the word prove really hits me hard with the word faith because there's a big contrast there with faith. It is mechanical, like the, like gratitude. There is nothing, there's nothing left to prove anymore. It's a built in. built-in oneness that if you're in in that present moment and you know luckily having someone to talk to you with you or bounce stuff off i mean faith breeds from especially when there's two or more people or you know by yourself sitting quietly there's there's nothing more to it but to just spend those moments in the moment and it's a natural thing that's really good. I I really did not see that before and you nailed it. I mean, I was relating it to like the person I used to be and I'm noticing as you were talking that just the way I explained it between optimism and pessimism and I was really never trying to prove to anybody that I was optimistic. That was like something on the inside. So even back then, like I didn't really have that, but as soon as you say it, like man, there's so many people that are caught in the action of trying to prove their faith, whether that is to themselves or to other people. And that it that rings true hardcore. I didn't notice that at all, but that's definitely because you can even see it on Twitter. Like, because sometimes you see the word faith, like in a spiritual context and it rubs you the wrong way. And sometimes you see the word faith and you're like, right on. And it's like, well, what's the difference? And you just nailed it. It's like the ones who just are being quiet and announcing their faith. Like I'm, I'm in this devotion. I just, I'm, I'm on the path of the light. I'm on the path of God. And I have faith that it's going to be the right path for me. Like somebody that just states it, that faith rings true versus somebody who says, you know, I did A, B, and C, therefore I have faith. Do you see that that's now demonstrated? And then that faith is like, uh, turns you off a little bit because they're applying all that proof. But for whatever reason, I was blind to that until you just said that. But um, that's exactly what's going on. Some people are caught in the proof and other people are just accepting their own faith. Yeah, acceptance is a big word too, because faith, um, 
you just said acceptance. I mean, that, that would be the mechanical word that I would use is acceptance. Like when you have an awakening, there's nothing to do, but to accept what you see, what you hear, what you experience. Acceptance is everything. Acceptance is like, it's, it's almost acceptance is almost like the underlying thing for gratitude and anything that you would get, it, you know, after having an awakening and walking outside and seeing birds or seeing a tree, the what, acceptance is the connector to everything. Like you have to, you just accept fully what is and what is, is, is something more grander intelligent than than we are so we accept it as like some kind of wordless love that um comes through the universe if if you're plugged in and not in the ego driven world but I i was looking for the connector to to proof and i mean it's just a on on that side of it i could see so clearly like the ego wanting that reassurance so proof is like the it's like the hammer coming down, so to speak, so that the ego can get that self reassurance. And then that's, that's something you don't need post awakening either. If you, if, if you know the spot to be in. So yeah, there's a lot of, um, idiosyncrasies, I guess, in, in, in the, and this was, uh, this, this was one that I, I heard and, and, nothing really came to me all week. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to be completely spontaneous on the, uh, on the podcast. It doesn't seem like, you know, I wasn't like questioning, you know, trying to get some answers before the podcast, other than what I just told you about gratitude coming to me about an hour ago. And I just wanted to just see what would happen. But uh, the overwhelming thing with me the whole week was, wow, that's faith. Nothing's really coming to me. And then and I was completely okay with that. But, um, you know, it's a difficult word. It's a difficult word because, because post awakening, like words really don't apply to the word faith. So you can have a lot more descriptors about what ego driven faith is rather than post awakening because post awakening is just acceptance and, and what is, and it's an experience and it's mechanical. Yeah, I think like what I was saying, opening up, like when you like compare it to gratitude, like conceptually, everybody has an understanding of gratitude, whether they're awake or not. And I think that's kind of the same thing with faith. Like it's conceptually a very well um, used word. Um, Intellectually, people think that they understand it. But I think even the people that are using it like that, like I said, even in like a religious um, institutional way, I think it's really just like in the direction of optimism. Like there's heaven or hell, like which would you rather go to? I'm going to have faith that I go to heaven. Well, why is that important? Because, well, it's better than having faith and I'm going to hell. <laughs> you know, it's like this real like black or white optimism or pessimism. And and it's widely used. I mean, it's used all the time by like the entire population is using that concept of faith all the time to propel themselves forward. We even have, um, you know, stuff in the language like I've I've lost faith in him. 
you know, like we're talking about a friend or a family, like we've lost faith in that guy. Like we, we can't even deal anymore. I mean, it's, it's constantly in the lexicon and it's being used quite a bit. <clears throat> yeah. I've forgotten that lost faith in that guy. So what that means to me is I've lost pretty much trust. Yeah. Trust that something's going to happen the way it's going to happen. But it's, um, even for religious groups, like the word faith is, uh, yeah, I just see it so completely ego driven on that side, trying to, trying to prove your own, your own rightness or your own way. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely. Well, you can certainly in the, in the institutional realm you can see it exaggerated so they'll like up the faith like times 10 you know that's we've talked about like speaking in tongues and like dancing and like over the top praise like you can see like human sacrifice (laughs) well yeah that too many times you can see like it kind of going overboard when somebody's um really trying to like display the faith, whether that's to themselves or to other people. But uh, yeah, you can see it hugely exaggerated in certain places. What do you like in the term, in terms of the awakened? What do you think? I mean, and we said, we said acceptance, but I mean, just in terms of like thinking out loud, what do we have faith in? Like, so there's faith in a oneness. There's faith in a connection. And then there's faith in a plan. Now that's a, that's a really deep question. Faith in a plan connection. Um, I mean, post-awakening, I think the faith comes into, let's take this podcast, for instance. I mean, I have, I have faith that I'm going to be able to top, talk on topics that are going to be sub, somewhat driven from within, um, you know, triggered by certain words. So I have faith that I have faith in something. I have faith in myself, but it's not ego self. I have faith in something internally post awakening that we always um tap into as as sort of a guide or you know i lean on my mind's eye as well and and because a lot of stuff can pop into your mind's eye as like mental reminders to speak on or 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 talk about in terms of like the overall big picture that's a tough one um because the mechanical nature of faith is like the present moment. So if I start to go, I definitely know like the ancient God syndrome. Like I, I want to stay away from like images and what I think or is, you know, as far as mental projections of what, what I think may lie ahead or, or what the ultimate plan is. Um, you know, I have my hunches as far as what, 
what I'm, what you have faith in as far as what the universe represents and, and what's after this form, um, gets pretty crazy in detail as far as what, what the faith in, but it's no different than the faith is right now. No different than what the faith would be on like the deathbed, the mechanical nature of it. So I know that in order to stay in that presence or that faith, that faith mechanical nature is um, not really to get wrapped up in the complete total big picture. I mean, we, me and you talk, we have long talks and, and we definitely theorize and get into theory land and, and go to some, some, some crazy places sometime. I'm willing to go there if you want, but uh, I mean, it's completely up to you if we want to get off of the, if we want to get off of the rails. <laughs> well, it's just because like, you know, institutionally um, with faith, like they, they're pretty specific about what they have faith in. And then in the awakened community, sometimes you'll see like actually some really specific stuff as well. But yeah, I'm always kind of finding myself, like if I was going to say it, I, I have faith in the oneness, I have faith in the connection, and I have faith in a plan. What's, what's and, the plan part? Yeah, exactly. The connection, and I, what was the other one? Oneness. Connection. Oneness. Connection. What's the plan? And the plan is something I don't know, but just reveals itself as long as I stay committed to presence. So it's not something that I can, it's it, the word plan is a little bit, um, is kind of, um, is, is not, I think that's the right word, but like when you say things. the word plan, you're kind of assuming that you're planning it out, but this plan doesn't work that way. This plan is, the commitment to presence and then that commitment seems to lay the plan out in front of you. But then you just have faith in the plan. Yeah. No, I mean, it's weird how you hear certain words and you jump to conclusions. So you clarifying that it's just a, just the word you decided to use. But when you hear plan, you think oh, I'm sitting down and, I'm at my planning I'm at something my calendar out, right? and I'm, I'm making a plan for the week, the month, the year. <laughs> by November, I should levitate yeah, in my Buddha. I pose. should be <laughs> levitating by now. What is going on? <laughs> Not levitating. But then when you're quiet and you're meditative and you kind of get in that zone, you can kind of see how like the plan doesn't require like your engagement with it. It actually works better the less you are engaged with it and you're just accepting the presence. And that seems to somehow lay out the plan. But I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like I have faith in, like I have faith in like some mechanism there. And just like you said, like on a big, big picture, like I don't feel it's so necessary to like quantify or add up like what the rest of that is. I mean, I could speak differently at some point when I'm hurled down the road on this plan. Maybe I'll 
have like a a different understanding or I'll I'll talk differently about what the plan is. But for right now, it's there's a lot of like real specific, um, amazing, fun, interesting um, spiritual ideas that I see all the time. But it just it's it seems like so concrete and and my faith seems really really simple and it's just i know we're all one i know everything's connected and i know if i can just be quiet like the universe will lay out a plan and that's why i think like i end up relating to trees the way I do because every time I look at a tree now like I'm just amazed at the tree and the plan like it just comes up out of the ground it just reaches into the sky it doesn't move or do anything it remains in silence and has been here just as long as I have and is doing just fine just quiet in its plan and every time I see one now, I just I'm reminded of it like that is that is a demonstration of something that understands the plan. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. There's there's very little words with. It's definitely a different kind of plan that you're talking about when you say the word plan. I mean, the, it's 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 almost uh I mean, it's seed like we've talked about before. I mean, it's seed. Faith is faith is a seed. Um, seeds are um, are planted outside, but we've also talked about seeds that we plant. And yeah, that's yeah. The mustard seed thing is coming to me. So the seed that faith has so much to do with this. Because the you putting out you putting out projections as well, like the faith is actually effortless. So I'm I don't want to I don't want to put out you know that there's a lot of effort to be applied here, like the some grandiose thing. But the projections of a human putting out a seed is, hey, what what do I want? Like how you know putting out seeds like, you know, what, what's my greater purpose? What's the meaning of life? You know, what's my spiritual, what's my spiritual path? You know, I'm working at this place, but it doesn't really like, um, it's not really conducive to like what I think I'm supposed to be on this planet for those type seeds that you're putting out. And what comes behind those is, is faith, but it's not an act of, I think the scripture is, you know, something to do with the mustard seed. Like there's like zero, zero face faith with, um, to what I would say is someone in a belief system because they'd say something over and over and over and over again. And they would think that's faith, but faith has nothing to do with words. It's about projecting something out, but then you staying in, effortless land like you staying in that present moment you staying in like where you were just talking about i know if i stay here the plan executes itself but you can add to that plan like you can project out like you you're you're part of the plan like you're you're you can drive that plan with the seeds that you throw out like it's interactive 
and faith is is the main fuel behind that projection because you're not but it's mechanical and effortless there's no there's no i'm gonna put out this and say it over and over or or things that you might see uh it's i wish i remember that mustard seed it came to me um there's a, a verse about that uh, having having the faith of a, a mustard seed but making the comparison and you know stronger seeds and, and not so strong seeds and how how does a human seed come to fruition the best like you can't like i can't project out here's a good example i can't project out um i would really like to let's just say I want to do something of meaning. Like I'm, I'm putting out to the universe. Hey, I want to do something of, of, you know, more along my spiritual path. I want to help people in, in a way that um, resonates with them instead of, you know, corporate America. I want to shift gears, but I just want to throw that out there. I can't then like go check out and not be present. Cause that seems like ridiculously stupid at that point. Like you can't, you can't put a seed out and then like go, and check out and, and not be present and this or that. The faith comes in is exactly what you're talking about. You have faith in the connection. You have faith in the plan. You have faith in, in, the, in the moment. You have faith in quietness. If you project out and you stay in that, you're a part of the plan. It's completely interactive. But a lot of people, you know, say stuff out to the universe and then they're completely, you know, asleep. So... They do asleep stuff, you know, 23 hours a day. You can't project and then be asleep for 23 hours and expect that seed to flower. It doesn't happen because it does require you. I mean, you're the vessel for it as well. That reminds me when um, when I first woke up and I'd spent the two weeks and like my identity is kind of coming back online. I mean, it's a new version and I had like tons and tons of questions and I was on the phone with you and I started asking like a bunch of questions like rapid fire. And you could tell that I'm, I'm, I was like coming back online and you said something that it was really moving and it meant a lot to me at the time, but you said, you don't have to answer every question. You can leave some of them open ended. <laughs> And I was just like, I've never like asked a question and not tried to answer it. Like you were the first one to like even mention that to me. And I was like, oh, that's so true. You don't have to, you can just let the question fly, especially when it's like coming from your heart and you don't have to get caught up in the answer. You just leave it there and say the universe can just answer this when it's ready. But I remember that was such a wonderful moment of um, understanding um, that I definitely wasn't getting to on my own. I needed your help in that moment. So, yeah, not answering your own question is faith. Yeah. Wow, that's a pretty big one because I just, I mean, that just came to me uh, myself. Not answering a question is your own question is faith. And then as soon as you start to answer that question yourself, now it's ego. It's a, it's right. a need to be right. Like, and, and, and not necessarily in every, like I've asked questions 
sometimes and you do get an immediate answer. I mean, there's some, um, it's not like this conversation here. Like there's, there's a certain type of flow to it. You're going to get, but I'm, what I'm saying is like, what is the meaning of life? Like what, it, right. what is Luke Sarter supposed to do with the rest of his life? Like projections. And then I don't answer those. Those are open-ended questions. Those are like really badass seeds. Those are like, right. I mean, I feel like the universe is like cultivating at that point because all I'm going to do is sit in, in the present. All I'm going to do is stay committed. Um, all I'm going to do is apply no effort, but in the moment that's faith completely mechanical, but completely effortless. It's like a universe law. Like we've talked about, like there's stuff built in that doesn't necessarily make me or you special. Everyone can access the same type of laws that are already built in here. They're like built in and it's mechanical. It's built in just as, as well as we planted flowers this weekend. It's built in. If you put a flower in the ground and you water it, it's going to flower if you tend to it. That's built in. We all know that. But we don't apply it to like human form. Like we're all like kind of kind of disgusting when it comes to our own seeds. We're all kind of like projecting like disgusting seeds all the time as, as a collective. You know, that we do seem to be in somewhat of a massive type awakening that you know we're i mean i'm i'm seeing things that are kind of profound but if you look at the whole the whole like we're all projecting like disgusting seeds even though we know like well we don't know but i'm saying if you look all around you it's pretty obvious if if you just wake up you understand the projection of, of of what you're what you're putting out and then understanding that faith is natural you can see it clearly if you parallel that with what we were talking about with synchronicity, because one of the problems with synchronicity before you really understand it is you have like this moment of meaning. And then on the other side of that moment of meaning, there's the ego, which just gets caught up in trying to understand what that means. So you, you can see it clearly in synchronicity but it demonstrates the same mechanical principle with the open-ended questions. Like sometimes your heart is just kind of singing these questions. And the key, like you said, is to just like hear the questions, let them ring true. And then don't let the ego get involved with answering the questions. Because as soon as like they start going around, like then yeah, the ego is going to get involved and then it's going to lead you astray and it's going to it's going to more than likely put you to sleep pretty quick just in terms of the story. It's going to tell yourself to answer whatever question you just asked. <clears throat> yeah, and there is a difference too. Like it's, shall we think of more answers? I mean, more questions along the line because like me writing, I would ask myself questions like, you know, what I thought love was, for example, like, pre-awakening, post-awakening, those kind of come to you like almost immediately and turns into a flow and you can write. Um, but yeah, these, these seeds we're talking about, I think, I think the seeds we're talking about are more of what, what do you want that plan to look like? Like you can't do anything but to do it in the present moment. 
So when you ask yourself, okay, I'm in the present moment and I don't necessarily like what I, what I do for a living, or I feel like I'm not in a position to where I'm, I'm my, a lot of my spiritual gifts are being used or, you know, I, things like that in the present moment, you can see and understand, okay, these are things that I don't like about my life necessarily, because I want to be more of a, put a better imprint of, of what my gifts are. So you would project out in the present moment based on what, because in the area, like you may not have that answer like today, you, like you, you have responsibilities, like you can't just go out and do this or that. So that's where that projection seed comes in. Like what, and then faith follows behind it. But as far as like definitions of words, like what we're talking about, those are usually immediate and um in the moment or even things with like kids like you know if my kids come up and ask me a question that you know could be spiritually motivated for them i'm pretty much going to have the answer immediately it's just going to flow and um just in that role so there are times where like i asked myself an hour before this podcast what you know what I thought the meaning of faith was. And then post awakening, I told you what it was. So, you know, and, and then I see the mind's eye, like the mustard seed come, come to the mind's eye and it sparks something. So those in the moment things, I think there's a definite contrast and I think it's up to the person. I mean, you'll know, I think when it's ego and when it's not ego, but there is what you're talking about that perpetual, conversation you can get into in your head of maybe what the means this is for example is just say what what is the meaning of life like that's not necessarily something you're just going to blow your socks off like right after that but then like what is the meaning of life like the ego could get involved there you can clearly see like you could go off for 20 30 minutes in your head like trying to answer that question that's the contrast for me and that it's really up to just the person to kind of be awake enough and aware to discern what ego is and what flow is. Cause, and I mean, I'm quite confident you could probably see that at this point of what, what a correct question you would say and, and answer yourself as opposed to the ego trying to get involved and serve its own purpose. Yeah, that kind of all I thought of there was that I think there's a difference. I, maybe it's just the the type of um, awakening. I'm just the, between the two of us, like with um, like I think you have faith in that flow definitely a little better than I do because I feel like I'm always suspicious always suspicious it's not like it's like the number one thing that hits me like with mental engagement is like a double check and it there's at this point like it almost has to be like there's an ego check in terms of my own analysis 
because you have to say like, well, who's doing the analysis? Who's doing the checking? And it's like, as soon as I ask that question, well, I know it's not the quiet one. You know what I mean? So it's, it's always, it's like always in development. It's always, I mean, it's interesting the way that that battle stays um, constant, but then I can notice it when I'm out and I'm quiet and, you know, you're amongst the trees and you'll have like something ring true in your heart where it's just like, um, I know I'm supposed to try, um, 20 minutes of daily devotional meditation for the week. And it just like comes out. It's like, I wasn't thinking about it. I wasn't even trying to um, like set up something like that, but it just kind of pops out. And it's like, there it is. There's an idea. It came from the inside. I wasn't thinking about it. I was, I was present. I was in the moment. And it's like some kind of mechanical structural idea comes out like that. And then like, I can't ignore that. Like once it hits, cause I know like it just spontaneously pops out and I'm just using that one for an, an example, but I feel like they come out a lot, but they're all like devotional things where I'm just, you know, so like I could be kind of thinking to myself or maybe it's an ego and I'm going back and forth. Like, how am I doing on my progression? How am I doing like looking back? How am I doing on discovering more ego? How, you know, so I asked like a bunch of rapid fire questions and then I just kind of relax, you know, you go through a little bit of time and then bam, like some new devotional comes up and I'm just kind of stuck where I'm like, okay, that hit me too hard. Like I can't ignore that. So here's a new line of devotion that I'm going to, and for the most part, they're all simple and they're all um attainable stuff that i can actually do and you just you're you're just lining yourself up with more and more devotional stuff but with more of that devotional stuff it leads you to like a different realm of consciousness and then that path repeats itself and like you it's like this perpetual motion forward down this spiritual progression Yeah, it sounds like a path of faith. I mean, just yeah. Once you've awakened, so like I said, you're up. You're up. It's time, to, and it's time to. Uh, it's time to do the work. But yeah, everything that you just said. I mean, I I do the same thing, um, even to this day. I mean, I I'm. I constantly have open-ended questions. I'm constantly checking myself. Um, constantly, you know, there's there's always still that back and forth, and I don't. Um, you know, I I listened to those snippets too that you had said as far when we were talking about I am Legion. That's a pretty good one too. Whenever you get one, you put it on the fire. I've heard that like five times. And then you get one and you put it on the fire. I'm like, all right, where is one at? It's very motivating. I want to put one of those sons of bitches on the fire. 
but it's more like it is like a burn you're, you're burning it or dissolving it out of you when you do find it and there's been a lot of burning and dissolving with me over the years so i don't there's times where you go and meditate and i feel like there's i'm just completely bliss i, I just don't feel like nothing is in me and then there's times that you go and meditate and you're like dang where did this come from or where'd this come from so it's it is one of those things where it's a constant battle but it's a good fight it's not it's not the battle i used to feel it's not like the battle like trying to wake up it's not the battle you know trying to push through that pain this is like post awakening battle like you're you're there and these are good battles but it's pretty hard to ever lose i mean they're they might even have you screwed up for a day, maybe two, but by the end of day two, you're going to be so worn down that you're just going to go sit somewhere for an hour and meditate and just burn the hell out of everything in you. I mean, it's just going to yeah, work that way. You, you said uh, uh, not too long ago, you said you're playing offense, but that's what I mean when you're putting on the fire because all, you're, you're giving the system fuel to run hot. So you're giving your system fuel to vibrate a little higher. And that's the, so it's, it's, it's all offense. It's all in the direction of progression. And I heard another like really good analogy because I've been listening to a bunch of books about uh, no self. And this one I thought was hilarious, but the guy said, the ego is like a like a dude on a bike. So I'm just imagine like a dude on a bike in like a nice long level ground. Like the ego is a dude on a bike. Like for him to stay up, he's got to keep on pedaling. But if you want to if you want to get him under control, all you have to do is stop pedaling. But when you stop pedaling, there's still momentum on the bike. So it has to ride out all that momentum. And then finally, once it's done, bam, he falls over. But he was explaining the, the many eyes, ego deaths like that. And that's definitely true because you'll get, you'll get onto one like, oh, look how I am in that moment or look how I am in that situation. And then you're on them. Like you're now, at least you're not pedaling, but that doesn't mean that that, that, you weren't pedaling at a 10 before. So it's got all this momentum where it's rolling and it's going to be a while before that thing falls over, but you got your eye on him. You're just waiting. He's slowing down, slowing down, slowing down. And sooner or later, he's just going to fall on his ass just like Joe Biden. And you got him. That's a perfect analogy, man. I could see that. Put him on the fire. I could see that perfectly. You know, I just saw something really, really cool too. Whenever something's really resonating, maybe not resonating, but I could, I could see the dude in the mind's eye riding a bike so clearly as you were speaking. Yeah. Um, but that's, uh, that's a pretty cool analogy. I mean, you can't, I mean, it's beautiful. That's exactly how the ego operates. It's like the pedaling of a bike. I mean, and that leads to the Ferris wheel of the pain. Haven't we talked about the wheel? the wheel? We have talked about the wheel before. Now you're talking about the peddler. Let's go. <laughs> Holy shit. We go from the wheel to the peddler. You're on fire. 
Yeah, that's the problem. I mean, that because that one that dies, I mean, the the reconstruction of ego is 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 almost automatic. I mean, you can like you think that you're from a different perspective, but then as you get into that perspective and you like understand that, okay, now I'm this guy. I got rid of that guy. He fell on the bike. Now I'm this thing and I'm engaged with this moment and this is better because I'm present. But sooner or later you get caught up in whatever you're dealing with, with form. And next thing you know, that one's taken on identity. So it's just this constant and now he's there and you haven't even stopped pedaling on this one. Like this is the one you were just driving and now it's like crap. And you might not even be ready to let this one go. Like that's what we were talking about with like the kids and stuff. There's like some real hard ones to even look at with a critical eye because they're, they're so loving it's it's beautiful, loving attachment. You're like, I'm not even going to stop pedaling that bike. And then you let that bike go. But then you start to realize, like, when you don't have the will to stop pedaling that bike, that's where it gets confusing about what's going on empathically. Because when you when you find out, like, when you really look inside and you're like, wait, I don't have any will to stop pedaling there. Then you have to kind of look at that and say, well, how is that? How do I not have any will? And that's because that whole process is just pure love and attachment. And it's unfortunate because that also has the ability to, to lend, lend to unconsciousness. So you have to, you, you do have to be aware because it will, it will put you down in a path. Out. The one, the one I'm talking about was uh, I found myself unconscious and I was thinking about my um, daughter's volleyball game. And I was thinking about it so hard that I, Imagine the volleyball game. I imagined the conversation with her. It was very, very loving. Um, I gave her good advice. As far as I'm concerned, I was projecting her success in terms of, you know, not victory or anything, but just being a good position and player in that moment for that day. So from my point of view, the entire projection was such a loving projection. So my question was, was I getting something from her on the other end? Like, was was I engaged to maybe anxiety she had on the other end? The reason I bring that up again is it was a couple of days later and the process started again. So I've already seen this process run once and I've just noticed it in terms of, wow, that was severe unconsciousness because I was in the daydream. I almost, I was driving my personal vehicle. I knew I got, had traveled like 
a little ways where we were talking about location, like where you look up and like, whoa, how am I in this location? Like I was obviously very unconscious. The second, but I saw it. I saw it and I woke up to it and I saw it and I had no will to stop pedaling on that particular bike. A couple of days later, the same process starts. She has a game tonight. I kind of start saying stuff to her in a positive way. So I'm starting to manifest a good game for her, but it switches. It switched to the coach and that coach was related to this other person that I know. And then it switched again to this other person. And then I'm unconscious thinking about me being back in the old days playing volleyball. And now instead of my daughter, I'm in my own superiority back in my own athletic heydays. It rode that train that it learned and it, it, it went full ego superiority on me. But it snuck in because I didn't have the will. I didn't have the will to stop that daydream. But now there's like a highway where it comes in and now it does other stuff. It can go to my own superiority, my own heydays as a player myself. But that's because I left that initial door open or learned about this unconscious door related to the sport that I've always loved. But I find it interesting how that loving attachment, once you see it, it's actually a doorway for other stuff to sneak through that's going to lend to your own unconsciousness. Yeah, that's so raw. I mean, I I see exactly what you're explaining um the legion of of the ego and my my question that keeps popping up is what what do you think is behind that because what when it comes up to your superiority and then it lends a different face it's obviously has a different face now it has a different game so to speak it's going to try to attract your attention in a different way because you stepped off the pedaling bike and then there's another bike right there with a better face, a more alluring face. You, do you think that comes from you or I've, I've always been the understanding that it's a different realm of entity like energies that thrive on the attention of you or me, but meaning that, it must be a huge payoff to get attention of a human in that way. Like you are get it's, it's almost like going to a gas station for a car. Like there's, it survives because it got his tank filled up by, by you. That's how I've always seen it because that would only lend it. Like there's, there's only one reason why it continues to get so clever and so clever and so clever and so clever. Like it has a plan. <laughs> it has, has yeah. a plan. Where do you think is behind that face? I think it's 
a good way to think about it. It's from another realm, but I also think the other realm is actually inside of us. And I haven't thought about that a lot, but that was just my answer as soon as you said it. Like the the other realm is inside of me. And what it gets is it understands. So when it when I was in my superiority, because I mean I was into that sport. I played at a high level. I went I um really enjoyed myself when I was doing that. And so as soon as that recognition comes in. Like I fall in love with that. I, it's giving me exactly what I want to grasp onto. And it's almost like I can't even help myself. Like the the image and the memory of like that glory day, like it, you just jump in with two feet and like you're, and it doesn't last very long because the same thing as before, like I'm going to get it. I'm going to see it. But it le- it leads to so much unconsciousness, it's unbelievable. And that's how I can tell now, like, the power of something that's entered me. Because, like, this one happened when I was pumping gas. And the whole episode lasted before I was done pumping gas. I, I, had, I was clued in. So I knew it was there. But, so that's not a lot of time. So, I mean, it's not like it got me for a lot of time, but the severity of which it gets me is impressive because I am lost in that daydream. So explain. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I got you. I, yeah. Explain the dissolving of it at that point. Once you wake up to that. See, and I don't think it is dissolved at that point. I think, I think at that point, I think at that point, when you look at it for the first time, that's you stop pedaling. Now it knows like, so now the, I'm not pedaling that bike anymore. So it's just coasting, but I can't do anything to slow that coasting down. Like it's just going to coast until it's done coasting. As long as I don't pedal it anymore, eventually it's going to fall over. But now it knows, like it knows that from my attachment with the children, that there's this thing, this athletic thing that I will jump onto. So what it'll do next time, because I saw how it did it, because I went to the coach, it was so crazy. I went to the coach, which led me to another person, which led me to another person which reminded me that, oh, he used to play with me back in the day. You see, I'm saying it jumped people on me. And But that's why it's so important to do like the postmortem when you find yourself falling asleep because you can actually look back and you can see what it did. It used people. It jumped like three people. And then when it got to that fourth person, that put me in the daydream because me and that person used to play together. And that's where like all the superiority comes to, because then I can imagine myself being active again, but it's, it's like it, it jumped around until it found something I jumped on. But the point is like when you're paying attention and you're catching yourself, when you fall asleep, you can look back and you can, you can, 
you can have these postmortems on those events and you can really start to see how it's digging in in places. Yeah, it's such a testament to the the ego never really dying so because it always wants to get more built up again. Like it always wants to get more legs. It always wants to keep getting built back up into structure. And when you, especially those, the sports thing and superiority, like how it makes you feel is a complete like ego trip because it's, it's completely at, when you say asleep, yeah, because it's completely out of the present moment. Like your mind's eye is taken yes. to a place where maybe 20 years ago, 10 years, wh- whatever it is. I mean, it, it happens to me. Uh, I can relate to it because it takes you to a spot where you were. Obviously, it felt good, um, but, you know, it maybe was a place where your ego was really strong too. like see how good this felt like your ego felt really good didn't that feel good and you almost want to feel the ego as though it was many years ago like don't you want to feel that again don't you want to feel how strong the ego really right and you're completely asleep because the mind's eye is not in the moment it's with that's why we talk about all the time the predator um, the practice of meditation what it is and, and what it isn't. And if nothing else, strengthening, you know, uh, just, just like, uh, going to the gym because there's, there's those moments where, you know, the more you meditate, the more, the more you, you practice presence in mind's eye, the, I, for me, the quicker it, it knocks you in the head, you know, the stronger that presence is, but I can totally relate to that. And that never really dies. And it kind of goes, um, right hand in hand with what Soleil was saying, where she didn't think that the ego necessarily died completely. It's like the shadow that always follows you. Um, and it's, I mean, it's kind of true. I just get kind of thrown off when you look at the Eckhart Tolle's of the world. You're like, damn, it doesn't, it doesn't ever seem like he ever has these battles, but more than likely right. he probably does. Well, it's like when you we kind of go into what we were talking about before, like having faith in the plan, like one of the things like in terms of devotional that um, hit me that I've kind of stuck with was dream journaling. So it's just, the commitment, like if you have a dream, make sure you wake up and you write your dream down. That's really all it is. Then there's like all this fun stuff you can do in terms of like, there's a bunch of spiritual interpretations and trying to understand like what that dream meant. But there's, there's a, um, there's like a byproduct of that devotion that I didn't hear anybody talk about. And I'm not sure, I'm sure other people are onto this, but when you start doing that dream analysis, you realize that you can do dream analysis in your waking moments. So you find yourself going to sleep 
waking up during the day and then doing a dream analysis on that daydream, which maybe only lasted five minutes. But if you actually woke up, then that means you knew you were asleep. And now you're like, well, how did I get so asleep? And then you go back and analyze, like, what was the thought that spawned the unconsciousness? And you can start to see, like, how tricky-dicky this thing is. But now you're doing analysis on it at all times, which sounds counterproductive because, I mean, in presence, you don't want to be doing analysis all the time. But I mean, specifically, the same way you do with your dreams at night, if you find yourself in a daydream during a day and you can wake up to it, if you go back and look, there's really interesting, like detailed attacks going on. And you can better, you can better protect yourself the more ends that you start to understand. Yeah, it makes sense. And as you were talking, I, I, I haven't been remembering my dreams as well as I would like to. But as you were talking to me, I started to remember this dream I had, like going. And it was almost like the beginning of astral projection. But I was like ready to bust through something. It was just an intense feeling of of, of ready to bust through. And almost like we've talked about the third story, like busting through that door, although it wasn't that door. But I just had an overwhelming sense when you were talking, uh, and I didn't remember until now. Uh, you ever have that happen? You, <laughs> yeah. And I'm remembering yeah. right now that dream as far as that uh, feeling of being awake, but I was I was in that. Like I said, I'm waking up at all weird times. I think this morning I woke up at 4.30. I mean, I'm waking up at 1 and then 2, whatever it is. I'm waking up at weird times. And then I lay back down and, you know, stay conscious or try to as I go to sleep. And I feel like it was one of those moments that I was right in between that sleep state where this was happening in that in-between area that we always talk about. Um and I remember a sensation of wanting, because what rings in my ear too is like when you are conscious in your dreams, just remember to go up, go up hard and just keep going up. So I remember that it was a sense of that, like go bust through something and, and it, nothing happened, but it was an overwhelming feeling of, of move forward and bust, bust through something. Um, but do you think that the dreams like uh, have to do with the subconscious? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Like one of the things that I've noticed in the dream analysis is it's, it's really hard to look at. I mean, there's, just from the standpoint of like waking up in the morning, especially if you were just dreaming and the level of unconsciousness that you have to witness is unbelievable. I mean, for me, it's almost like pure 
blasphemy. Like I can't even believe it. Like I'll be, you know, in a rainbow forest, you know, surrounded by like pink elephants and like gnomes. And that dude in the dream, like has no idea that he's in a dream. And then I wake up and I'm just like, what is wrong with this monkey? And how does he not understand that he's in a dream? Drives me crazy. It's like the most blasphemous thing that I've ever witnessed is my own unconsciousness in the dream state. Like he is nowhere near aware. And I I, I want to slap him. I don't understand how to like, dude. You're not noticing anything around you. Like as soon as I wake up, I can look back on the setting and what was going on. I'm just like, there was clues all around you. There's times where I'm like manipulating reality as if I'm a magician. Doesn't wake me up at all. (laughs) Wow. Doesn't wake me up at all. And I'm just like, who is this moron? And that's my subconscious. That's the dude I'm trying to wrestle with. But I think just acknowledging him and looking at him more and more, I think I'll wear him down over time. Yeah, I just had a weird dream the other night. Maybe too personal to talk about on the podcast, but it put me in a spot where I was like, is this like stuff that I haven't dealt with before? Like it was, it was, it was weird stuff. And I, and I was emotional in the dream. Like I saw myself crying and I was, um, I was like, have I never like dealt with this situation before? And then I thought, well, is this my subconscious? Is like, am I having this dream because my subconscious is like showing me like, dude, this is stuff you're possibly still carrying around. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Cause I mean, that's the other thing. After awakening, I I really feel that um, my relationship with especially fear and anger is completely different. Um, Fear, I I, I have very tangible examples um, that I have a different relationship with fear and anger. I mean, I don't have anger the way that I used to have anger. I have definitely like some irritation and stuff but i mean i catch it super quick and it definitely doesn't like bubble up to anger the way i was dealing with it before in my sleep state that dude is like angry and afraid all the time i can't believe it really no that that, he's always angry and afraid that's interesting yeah but i I don't see like in in me looking at that objectively like you i don't see you as dealing with stuff that has not come to the surface when it comes to anger and uh unconsciousness so that kind of leads me to believe like something else because well that's uh, what i was talking about with the legion like i i don't know if we know the extent of like the damage we've done so like you can take something simple like like take a thief. So take stealing. 
in my form, in my waking day, I'm have a family. Like you will not ever catch me stealing anything. I have no reason to do it. It's it's not in my ethical nature. Any it, it's just not there. If you go to the subconscious, there's a thief in there who is doing it out of desperation. So some narrative that I've seen before, I was watching Lord of the Rings and one of the poor kids, you know, snatched a loaf of bread and I saw it and I was like, well, what is he supposed to do? He's got to do it. He's got to steal. I identified with that thing and I created some identity in there. That's a thief. Completely okay with thievery. And so just apply that to like everything that there is like in all of the narrative you've ever seen. And, oh, then, by the way, go ahead and process that through past lives. So how much identity could you apply to something like thievery? Maybe I was that poor kid in a past life. That's why I identified so hard with it when I saw Lord of the Rings. So you have, like, all this, like, buried identity that, I mean, goes so far back, it's like through different worlds. And then you just realize like, oh, every incarnation of identity that ever existed is probably in there somewhere. And it's just when you look in there, it's ready to come out in whatever narrative dream space that you allow it. That's very interesting because the subconscious seems to be coming a little bit clearer than it was before tonight. Um, Cause you said, is it another realm? That's what I'm saying. Like, it's not, it is another realm. It's, but it's all inside. Yeah. Because we're, we are the universe as far as, I mean, it, 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 it as far as it goes this way is as far as it goes this way. Yes. That's it. Because we're infinite beings uh godlike beings so you have it inside you you can wake up to who you are now um but the subconscious um carrying all that which leads me to when i see those cards and all those people i'm just i wonder why i don't recognize anything that i see in those pictures and maybe maybe no meaning to to be taken out of it because i never get any meaning you know you you, you we have all these meaningful um things that you know you get for the from the universe as validation those have zero zero it's just it's just like it's it's almost like it's almost like a gift that 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 you have that means nothing it's weird and and maybe in 5 years it means something because it 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 manifests itself into whatever it is and I can understand it. But as it sits right now, it's like this meaningless gift that, that I can see. And I I do this in between the sleep states too. Like when it's very easy for it's very difficult for me to, if I just go down and meditate and say, Hey, I want to see those cards like that. It's very hard to do that. But if I go back to sleep at like four 30 and I want to say, Hey, I want to see those cards it's very easy to go into it kind of like the astral projection thing, how Gene Hart talks about those places. It's very easy for me to go into it there, but it doesn't matter because it has zero meaning. 
and and it's it's fun just because I see like photographs that are so crystal clear and they they fly and I've gotten to the point where I can slow them down to where it's not like you know when you flip the cards I can see and actually make out people but it doesn't matter anyway doesn't matter because I don't know who the hell they are or, or what it is or what it means there's no meaning and I don't know if that's the subconscious or it, no it's actually something I spawn like I basically say mentally to myself let's see what that looks like now why not I mean I I, I can do it now at will since I'm in between these sleep patterns and I literally just say that to myself well that's cool let's see what it looks like but it it, it always has no meaning so who knows it's probably something that someone knows like there's some expert in the world about this and the, on the right. show and they're like look do you know this is this and this you're like you're you're seeing the pictures of people that uh, were assassinated or something something crazy yeah whatever it is i don't get any meaning at the time but it is it is cool to see it's cool to see just because you're i I don't see my mind's eye that clear any other time and it's cool to see like your mind's eye as if you're looking at a photograph like a real photograph because a lot of times like the mind's eye are like it's almost like flashes like like we were talking about mustard seed, you get a flash of the word mustard in your mind's eye. It's not like it just stays there as this pretty picture of a mustard seed. It's just like a flash. And, but these are different. They're way more clear. That's why it's cool to look at, but yeah, zero meaning for me on those. Anybody out there that knows what, what that is, hit us up on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, um, it's weird because there's, I don't want to say like self-loathing, but you know, like if, if you're letting the judgments go, you know, like at a Walmart and you'll have like that person who's like obviously angry and like making a spectacle of it and, you know, you don't have to sit there and judge them in terms of you know, pointing out his anger, but it, it's going to kind of hit you. You're going to be like, Whoa, that guy's super unconscious. Like there's, you're gonna, you're gonna see it. But that's like, sometimes the way I feel when I wake up and I'm doing that dream analysis, like I just look back on that guy. I'm like, who is that guy? Like, what is his deal? Like just in pure, like anger emotions and not even thinking twice about it. And it makes me wonder if there's, if like my overall bicycle is still coasting. And when I'm awake and I'm aware, like, and I'm aware when I'm, you know, slipping into daydreams and I can bring myself to awareness but I'm, it makes me curious, like if overall that bike is still kind of coasting, <coughs> and even though I'm not 
pedaling anymore. Like when you look um, with the dream analysis, it's very, very odd. Very, very weird sensation. It's just like you said, though. Look at all the look at what you might have created over the years that just stays there in the subconscious realm. That's like this angry person or angry energy that tries to manifest itself in other forms. And it may, it's not necessarily successful. It just stays in your subconscious and, and acts out and acts out. It is, it's there uh, as a part of the, the history of, of, of Cain in that subconscious of what you manifested, like I said, going that way or going the other way. But what's what's giving him the manifestation, or like who is that? Like, so is he pulling like my energy in order to manifest, but I'm just not aware of it because I'm actually sleeping at the time, and then. Like, how does he get to be manifest? Yeah, I would think because you're unconscious when you're sleeping. So it's just pulling the life energy. Yes. It just gets leached onto whatever comes to the surface at that particular time. And now it's manifested. And then from my point of view, you have to look at it like, so there's literally nothing checking that ego and it's just running wild like a monkey yes and you're you're checking it once you wake up and looking at it objectively but it's laughing because it's like no i was under the veil of the unconscious mind while i was asleep so (laughs) right right (laughs) but but yeah i wonder if there's a moment where you wake up in your sleep what happens though because it, it would be no more attention to it it just in in that way as well yeah if i wake up in my sleep i'm gonna take him i'm gonna choke him and i'm gonna throw him and i'm gonna be like (laughs) it'll be like uh there's there's no there's no rules in that realm so it would be it'd be like a a movie scene from from the matrix oh it'd be like number four where they fly into the room and they i think they do choke the psychiatrist don't they <laughs> yeah trinity like bitch slaps them a couple times yeah, yeah that, that's think, exactly what it would right. be like because they woke yeah. up in the matrix yeah ding 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 he yeah. was asleep the whole time in the matrix yeah, and then waking up in the matrix is a whole different animal because then you'll be able to astral project. Yeah, I mean that's definitely the whole reason I was um, like there was a lot of devotional path that was kind of laid out before me, so it created new disciplines, and I mean. You, I know for me, like, I definitely kind of got ahead of myself. Like, I was ready for, like, the astral projection stuff where I was ready for the lucid dreaming. But I definitely kind of hit, like, a plateau or a roadblock where I I didn't realize the devotion that was going to be required, like, through this process of looking into the subconscious 
And I mean, that might be one of the reasons why, like, I'm not really even able to get <clears throat> to get lucidity right now. Because when I look in there, there's, I don't know how to explain it. I mean, it's pretty, it's self-loathing, it's disgust, and I, I feel it's just blasphemous. It's like the level of unconscious is just blasphemy. So it's almost like I don't even want to go in there. Like I don't even want, I, I feel like I do, but on a, on like a unconscious level when I'm sleeping, there must be part of me that just sees that and then just turns around and says, oh, screw that. Cause it's just blasphemous. It's just, it's just severe unconsciousness. It could be your only goal is just to be conscious uh, when you're sleeping and try to bring your consciousness other than anything than that. Just the goal being, I'm going to go to sleep as conscious as possible. And, you know, if there's ever a moment that I can become conscious in, in that state, I would like to. And right. I think that would be the only goal. Cause I, I think on that side too, the unconscious brain, I think it works the same way as the pedaling of a bike. I think it works the same way when, when we're, when we're sleeping, it just to the degree that, um, so you you realized when you went down that daughter path and how it used the different faces, how quickly you were unconscious and gone. Now, just imagine you're sleeping for like three or four hours and they're using anything and everything to feed on that and how unconscious it could get really ugly really fast over that amount of time my only goal would be to be conscious um, or try to, you know, obviously try to go to bed as conscious as possible, as clear as possible, but then to actually project out to the universe. And this is one of those projections that would be based on faith that we were talking about earlier is that's not something you're going to get an answer on right then. That's not like writing a book. That's a projection seed. Um, that's the example I was trying to use earlier as something that you can project that seed. I want to be conscious in one of those extreme unconscious moments as like a Neo moment and see what happens. That's a, that's a faith seed. Yeah, it is. And uh, that's definitely, and I mean, I've been doing my devotional homework and you're right. I mean, it's the affirmation. It's um, affirming your intent. I intend to be conscious during my dream states. So there's a bunch of different ways you can do that. I mean, um, processes you can do throughout the day. Um, so I feel like I'm definitely on the right path in terms of all of that. Um I think a big part of progression in spiritual devotion ends up being patience. 
I mean, you kind of want it all quick. And I think it's a very, very patient path where you just have to one day at a time and, um, you know, notice more and more. It's just like you said, I mean, that, that awareness of waking up in daydreams did teach me a lot about what it must be in my dreamy dreams. Um, and, and how deep and how much they could use against you. And it really, when you look at it objectively, just like we've been saying, I mean, the, what it has at its disposal, I mean, they call it Legion for a reason. I mean, it, it might be like every single combination of existence that's ever been. And it has all of that to use to excite the ego and pull the energy in, into that consciousness and away from the spirit body consciousness. So, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a heavy duty project. That's I think going to require a lot of patience. And you don't know what the end result for obliterating that as well. I mean, that could be the ultimate goal as far as what needs to happen. I, I saw some, some things that popped up in, my subconscious that you know for me it's the same thing uh, i want to make the intent that you know i want to be conscious during during the dreams and and somewhat wake up while i'm in it just so i can i can see the reactions around it because i think it's going to be a little different than it is like waking up here the, the reactions of what's going on you can only imagine if you turn your consciousness on Although I think I did that when I was having that lucid dream about Daryl and I woke up. So there is the, it's almost like turning the lights on. Bam. Yeah. The awareness is there. Nothing can happen, but, but how can you stay asleep and wake up? You know what I mean? Cause I did that I think to yeah. a degree, but my eyes shot open. So it's, it's definitely a, more discoveries to come on that it's it's kind of a it is kind of a rabbit hole subject it does feel like you could go down this rabbit hole and and talk about the complexities of it um but it's it's one of those journeys where probably something happens when you least expect it and you're applying the least amount of effort or will and then all of a sudden you know, just take, take example when, when we feel like you astral projected that first time onto another planet, which was, I mean, there's like absolute no effort when, when, when right. that, there, there was no effort at all applied there. So you look right. now like the effort that you put in putting to, to this it's more of a yeah it is an intent yeah i want to do that but i look to when you woke up those first couple of weeks and that was i mean you're not going to get any more effortless than that and it just happened right there's definitely that side of it where yeah you, you i totally agree you want to um it's probably going to be when you're not trying so hard that it's going to end up being the most progress, I definitely think it'll have a, a relationship like that. Um, 
And I'm not even, I don't mean to even sound like I'm disappointed with the progress. I just mean that what's interesting is you, you get, when we were talking about earlier and you're having faith and you're having faith in a plan and you get like a new devotional and it's laid out in front of you and then you're putting the pieces together. So, I mean, it does require like effort in form. Like I have to go buy the journal. I have to put the journal like next to my bed. I have to like get an idea of like what my intent is and what I mean to do. But through that process, you can kind of build like structures on what you think the results are going to look like. And then you start down the devotional plan and that's all I mean to say is like when you start down the devotional plan, it's not necessarily what you thought what you thought it was. So it's not like straight to lucid dreaming and astral projection. It's like, oh, like the first time I look into the subconscious and it's like, oh, it's like a septic tank there. Like, no wonder I don't want to reach my my presence in there. And, and then you realize like what you're going to have to work through. But then that does illuminate and open up other doors because it wasn't until I started that dream analysis that I realized like, oh, I can do this all the time. All you have to do is catch yourself in those daydreams. And if you do, it's just like remembering the dreams. Like you have to... um the dreams are very, very difficult to remember. So you have to be devoted and you have to like wake up and you have to do it right away. Like you kind of actually don't even want to open your eyes. Like you have to, you have to focus on like getting the ideas you want to write down even before you start writing. Like there's a whole practice and project to just trying to remember. But that same thing ends up applying to the waking state. And that's the part like I didn't really understand before. So like a lot of this devotional, like it's laid down. So I'm going to have faith in the plan. I follow the plan and you think it's going to go in a certain way, but what it so far, what it's taught me to do is apply those same mechanics to my waking daydreams. And that could even be like interactions with another person. So you could have like an interaction with another person and then, you know, not even necessarily good or bad, but then it could be like 10 minutes later and you're away from that person and you're like, I'm still interacting with that person. But right. if you catch it right then and you look at it right away, like that's when you can go back and you can really dissect, oh, that led me here, which led me here. And you can see it in motion. You can see it in tricky motion, pulling you in more and more. And those are all like real personal things. Not personal as if like I wouldn't talk about them, but personal as if like it's it's very directed at you and the way it steals your attention. And then you realize like you're more susceptible in, in different areas than you are in others. And that whole process of dream analysis is really kind of make me hyper-focused on basically like every half hour, just kind of stopping, you know, did I fall asleep? That's question number one. 
did I fall asleep? Maybe the answer is no. If the answer is yes, okay, what happened? How did it happen? How did it get in? And so you're always dissecting and understanding how your attention is being pulled away. But I had no idea that that devotion was going to lead to that. So the plan deviates. Right. No, I can see that. Uh, I talk to people so much on a daily basis that I can relate to, you know, once I leave or even before, like if I have a meeting with someone, you know, not going through in your head um, or after the conversation that I don't leave and the conversation stays in your head, I can relate as far as like in form of how that is. I don't necessarily know what that is though. Um, because you can say you have, a embrace with a person and didn't go exactly the way you wanted it to go. Maybe, um, I mean, in sales, it would be a home run if every meeting was fantastic. Some of them go great. Most of mine go great. I mean, I'm pretty likable and pretty straightforward, but some go a different way. And then you're questioning, like, should I have said this or should I have said that uh, in your head? That has something to do with ego because you're not in the moment. If that starts to happen, you're in your head, basically. If there's something that didn't go, or should you just accept that, hey, something didn't go my way today? Um, but it is a form of unconsciousness. Yeah, I think you can tell. Or even all the way to the extreme yeah. with the coach, too. Like, that is an example. Like, it didn't go the way you want it to go. So, anger encompass for, you know what I'm saying? There's some emotion yeah. with it. <clears throat> and when you're leaving <clears throat> like a conversation like that, there's kind of like a natural judgment that like a judge, a wake judgment. judgment. And, there it is. <clears throat> and you're trying to understand, are you inferior or superior? Yes. You know this one. Oh, let me hear it. Well, I, I'm I'm definitely more susceptible to the superior. That so, hit hard when you said superior or inferior. That's the game that's being played. Like either or. Like you're either going away from that questioning whether you're inferior or superior, and you're trying to prove that to yourself. Correct. And, but that's, that's going to happen like automatically, like you can get in a state of like, um, that's why the compassion and like the loving, not in judgmental, like in the engagement is so important. But if it becomes like more of form and more of substance, and there's like stuff that we have to get through, like, you know, what is the price of this transaction? And it starts to go back and forth. 
So like, depending on what's going on, I mean, it's going to pull you out of that loving non-judgmental state because you have to like defend some sort of position and form. And that's where the unconsciousness starts. But then as you leave that now, it's always like, well, who got the best of who? Did I get the best of him or did he get the best of me? And you're going to, and and that kind of just happens automatically. I mean, the key is, is to notice like how much you identify with that and how unconscious you go from that. And like, that's what I'm saying. Like for me, if I find myself like in a really superior position, like, oh God, I got that guy. I got the best price. He didn't even know it. He's an idiot and I'm Mr. Man. Like if, if I have that, like I fall asleep more hard and I, that will, that'll hit me harder in unconsciousness. If it's like inferior and it's like, whoa, that guy was, and I don't have that sense of superiority. Like I, it doesn't hit me as hard. That is so true. Like that's it. That hits hard because if, if that happens on the way out at some point during the transaction, um, that love and compassion state, like you said, falters, like something in the meeting to where that like on, on love and compassion, like there's no reason for me or you to slip out of love or compassion on this podcast because we're not a threat to each other. We're, you know, expressing back and forth you know, universal love and oneness and, and, and making the points that both resonate within us, but out in the world, you're dealing with, wow. I mean, you're dealing with anything and everything that could come in, in front of you. And, and also all the stuff that could just get crazy that comes in front of you, like, you know, angry person that, just walks up to your door and tells you to move your vehicle because he's going to call the police or, you know, stuff, stuff like that. But even so that even because just take that for an example, that was a transaction with another person, not a planned one. Uh, My vehicle was running. It's in a small town. It's like nine o'clock in the morning. Like there's not a person in, there's not a person around. In a, in a small town, they don't get cranked up till 11 o'clock. I was at a lunch place, not a breakfast place. So literally, like, it's him and it's me. <laughs> and the situation came up to where later I called you. I thought this guy was an agent and still do to this day because when he walked up, he told me to roll down my window and I was on the phone with my boss at the time. And he says very quickly, this is a good example too. Cause I'll, I'll explain. He says very quickly, like you need to move your car. Um, you're parked on the sidewalk. Mind you, the truck is running. So I have peripheral vision. So uh, he was making the point that people can't walk by. Um, but I had a rebuttal to him out of love and compassion. Like it wasn't reactionary, like, Oh, this guy, it was, it was, it wasn't any of that. It was, 
I know how to handle this guy. He obviously, you know, I'm, I know how to handle this. I'm just going to handle it with, he didn't give time for the love and compassion. He didn't give time for it. <laughs> Literally, he said, as soon as my, I said, sir, and as soon as I went to the second word, if you don't move, I'm going to call the police. Walk off. Walk to the back driver's license. Take a picture. Take a picture of the side truck. Walks to his car. There was no time for the love and compassion to even come through. And I was ready, just like always in those moments, those are the ones I'm ready for because I want to handle those perfectly. Like I want to handle those situations perfectly because I know 99% of the time people react like, what the hell is this guy doing? This MF is going to, he's not going to tell me what to do. I'm, yeah, I know all that. I know how to how to perfectly handle this kind of situation, but he didn't even let me handle it perfectly. So I left in my, my brain. And the only thing I could conclude was, wow, like to, to paint the mental image for you, there is nothing he was fighting for. Like there was no one handicapped that was trying to roll through and I'm parked on the sidewalk. Even if there was, my truck is on. It's on and I can see. So there was nothing he was fighting for, for some victim around. There there was no source. It was literally just a beeline to my truck for the injustice of sitting on a sidewalk with the truck running with me in the cab. So I had nothing. I had nothing left because he, he projected and then he, he went on and then I was left, well, damn, I didn't even get the chance to handle that right. Like, what was that? <laughs> and then that almost sends you into, like, just questioning, like, what kind of interaction was that? And then it, when you said superiority or inferiority, inferiority, I think in the beginning there was that, but then as it went in, I, I almost felt inferior because I felt like this guy got the best of me. I'm like, I, and, and you know what the game was? The game was what I just said. He didn't even give me a chance to handle it with love and compassion. He didn't even give me a chance. And that's how tricky it was. It was like, how, why do I feel inferior to a guy that I didn't even, even get the chance to... <laughs> I, but when you said that, this is an extreme example. I mean, you have situations where you have planned visits and you can have these inferior and superior. I, I get that. This was like so blatant that it just left you like, and now that you're saying that, this is like a full circle lesson for me because that inferior can creep in. It, I didn't even do anything. Like I was just in this town. Like there was no, that's why it related to some type of agent because it was projected onto me. See how you handle this one, Luke. I'm going to show you, you can handle this perfectly, but guess what? I'm not even <laughs> going to give you the effing time to do so. Let's see how you handle this, Let's see how you handle this one. And then there you go. I mean, it creeps in, creeps in so easily. Yeah, and then 
I don't know if you noticed afterwards, like, was there unconsciousness created from the engagement? And that's where I find things interesting now, because there's some where, you know, you're having like a moment of superiority or like maybe a moment where like you really, like you said, like didn't even really engage in an engagement. So you just kind of walk away like with with not a lot of engagement. And, but it does create like this wake and what it's doing is it's putting itself either above or below that situation. And it kind of doesn't matter which way it goes, but for me, like if it's going above the situation, I've just noticed that there's deeper unconsciousness there. If I go below the situation, like I don't find myself there all that often, but if it's like, like somebody just screamed at me and I like, I had to walk away or something, I would just be like, well, okay. Um, I just got to get away from this guy. Obviously he would be thinking he had the best of that situation for me, but I wouldn't necessarily lose unconsciousness that bad. But the one where it's like, maybe like a quick water cooler, like current event or like politics discussion or whatever. And you walk away and you're like, Oh my gosh, I wrecked that guy. And then you can really fall asleep to your own superiority of thought. Like that's the dangerous unconscious place in terms dangerous, meaning more unconsciousness. I just did this when you were starting to talk and I just woke up in the middle of your sentence. And maybe it's to make the point. I don't know. But I just was in inferiority. And I had a mental image of me getting out of the truck and telling him, call the police, but you're going to stay here with me. And making the guy stay there with me to bring the police there. And when the policeman got there, he was going to side with me for how ridiculous this guy sounded because I was going to make the statement to the police that, listen, officer, I'm in the, I'm in the driver's seat and my truck is running. I was going to make the point to the cop and the cop was going to turn to the man and say, that's so ridiculous. Why did you harass this guy today? I just did that while you were talking in the first part and I just woke up and just told you right now in inferiority because it's so, it's, it's so prevalent like that bubbling up in, in the mental image of that happening. And, you know, even if it's for the sake of just making the point, but I wanted to go from inferior to superior, but then I would just be making the jump from, that stupid little rabbit hole to this stupid look, both unconscious, both unconscious right. and the superiority. I would have to stop pedaling too, because once I made it over to, Oh, I got you. Then I have to get out of that too. Yeah. Yeah. Like I can't ride that forever either. Right. So there's no point. Like the, the, the point I'm trying to make is it's all a trap. All of. Yes. All of yes, it's definitely all a trap. I love seeing your complicated construct. That's that's nice. Um, 
Yeah, I, I see a lot of that a lot of the time, just those complicated, because, I mean, I wasn't talking for very long. It's almost like you see how your construct's actually more complicated in a faster amount of time than even what I was saying. Like what's hap- what happens in the head, it's it's like on such a faster pace. Like it, you can you can construct something so quick, so big, so fast. Yeah, and I I normally don't have any issues like saying ultimately present in a podcast. So I'm 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 wondering for the sake of making the point. Like I mean, everybody learns from uh, you know what we're talking about, but just for the sake of making the point crystal clear that's how easy it is like i'm on a my whole goal is to stay present and we start talking about being inferior and superior and in about 15 seconds i went unconscious to try to make the case that no i'm not inferior i'm superior and oh okay catch yourself why would i be i don't want to be superior either they're all traps that, yeah. that's the whole point of the um i think i think for me or you like the ego contract when you see it i see it so quickly like you said it was maybe five ten seconds i i see it and, and i think that's where it comes in the rawness especially of this program because a lot of that either people don't see it or they're not going to put it into words or they're not going to be completely honest, but that's like a very raw moment I just had. Like I just saw that me like trying to make the point and bring a police officer involved. That's like super intimate details of like what's going on in your brain and how you go down the unconscious road and how you take right. the bait as though you've had examples tonight as well but the inferior and superior hit me hard and i think i was just shown like this very instant like see how easy it is like bam like but it's crystal clear when you walk away from a conversation or a meeting or anything i think that one thing to look at is inferior or superior i mean that's a huge lesson a huge lesson because one of the two usually is going on if something didn't go as planned with with a with a person something it's it's just what you said it's either superior or inferior you're trying to prove the case that if you lost that battle trying to get from inferior to superior and if you're already in superior you're just trying to stay there and gloat in it like stay in it like I'm gonna stay in this shit. <laughs> just stay right there because i'm already in superior land i don't need to go nowhere i'm superior i'm gonna stay here this feels good but if you're superior, you're trying to get to the other trap just to be superior it's completely nonsense yeah yeah, that's I I do think like throughout your day, it's almost pretty much every single engagement with another person that you have, you kind of have to you have to when when the engagement is done and you walk away, first thing you have to do is realize like are you still stuck in the engagement? Like I was just talking to this person, but I walked away. Now I'm 300 yards away from where I was, but am I still in the engagement? Like that's your first clue. 
but you got to be actively asking yourself that. And then sometimes you, when you ask it, like sometimes you don't even realize to ask it, but so you got to create like a habit. But then a lot of times when you ask that question, I mean, and, and you get better. I mean, maybe it's just a couple of seconds, maybe it's 15 minutes, but you get better and better at after an engagement, just asking if you're still in that engagement. And then if you ask it, you have to like be on, like, actually, I was still talking to that guy. I was talking to that guy and I was playing the voice of him and I was playing the voice of me and I was rearranging it to go the way that I wanted it to. And so you have to be able to catch yourself doing that. And then the faster you do it, just like when you're doing dream analysis at that moment, you go back and you're like, okay, what was I doing? Like, how did that engagement go? What was I doing? And just like we were saying, most of the time you're rearranging your superiority or inferiority after you leave. And then, so you're just getting on to yourself. You're getting on to your own tricks. You're getting wise to your own game. But what the thing that's triggering that is, is just to understand it's happening on every engagement that you have. So it's one of the ones that's kind of easy to see because all it is is like I had an engagement with a human like, you know, I bought a cup of coffee at the Dunkin Donuts. You know, this guy had shifty eyes. I don't like the way he looked at me. And, and you walk away and you're driving away. Are you still talking to the guy in the Dunkin Donuts? Like so every human engagement is suspect. You got to be at least asking the question as you're away from them. Um, am I still on that engagement? And then there's other ones too, but I mean, that one's important because it's an easy one. It's an easy trigger to ask yourself that question. Yeah, I feel like um, superior and inferior plays a part in sometimes I feel like people know that I'm awake with just eye contact. And what I mean by that is there are times that it slips in the difference between being asleep and not asleep is that the person that's asleep, you know, drives home with that conversation in their head perpetuated by everything that's happened in their life. And they're completely reactive. What we're talking about, you know, being awake and catching these very subtle moments that try to creep back in and build, build construct like they do it and, and us being able to, grow and stay on that path but i see like superior and inferior such a great point to bring up because i my eyes are being opened on this podcast just by as an example i i can go i've been guilty of visually you know seeing something that i don't think is like um looks a certain way and I can put myself in the superior basket without even talking to them. It's almost like a superior judgment or whatever. Um, I've, I've seen that in myself and then, but, but just along the lines as just an interaction, like you're buying something in a cashier. I feel like when I'm really present and I'm aware of everything. There is no superiority or inferiority that that person that I'm interacting knows that and feels that. 
because the reason why they would know that is because every interaction they have is either with someone they think is superior to them or someone they think is inferior to them. Yeah. <clears throat> Agreed. And then I come along and have more of a, like a, I guess an, an intimate checkout. If, if, if you will not, you know, present checkout, not no judgment, you know, eye contact, just presence. I can sense that they feel, Oh, wait a minute. This thing's neutral here. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I can sense that. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's a, because of that relationship, people, especially asleep people, they're either it's, it's, it's a superiority inferiority relationship, inferiority relationship between everybody in just common interactions, not necessarily with loved ones or I'm talking about just out in the world, you know, checking out at a convenience store, business meeting, people you don't know that well. I'm talking about regular interactions like superiority. And in, th- th- a lot of those, especially if you don't know people, everyone's sizing everyone up. You yeah. pretty much know that before words even come out. Like I've, I pretty much checked that this guy's superior to me. I'm inferior or the other way around. I feel like that's going on right. everywhere. Absolutely. And yeah, you're right. The, the, like the grocery store is a great example. And I know for me, it's a lot easier when there's like nothing on the line. So there's no, like, I'm not trying to get anything from this, but like, there's no like form of exchange. Like it's, it's very like superficial, like I'm buying groceries and you're ringing them up. And it creates like a, a really cool moment where you can kind of just stay rooted in presence. And that's one where like, as you walk away from it, it doesn't really take much of a postmortem because you're just like, oh, like I went to the grocery store Saturday and most of it is because like I pay attention and I put the barcodes up so they can scan it easier. And the lady just grant, grabbed the scanner and she she went to the basket and it was real easy for her to scan everything. And she looked up at me and she smiled and she just goes, you are a wonderful human being. And I just smiled back and I said, glad to help. Thank you very much. But because like, it's, it's just like you said, like there's actually action that, and, um, there's, there's actually steps you can take to like almost present yourself. Like I'm going to be helpful in this process. And you can tell they must not see that very often because they look up and they're like, who is this? And then you're just staring back at them and you're just smiling. Yeah. Like, yep. I'm, I'm with you in this project of getting me out of the grocery store as fast as possible. <laughs> And they're just, they're just happy to see a face of cooperation and instead of a face of, you know, judgment or inferiority or superiority, but those are fun ones because they're easier and you can kind of like set yourself up for success and present yourself in a helpful way versus, you know, like a work engagement where like you actually, there might be a power struggle. 
Yeah, I just want to know who checked you out at the grocery store the day you awake you woke up. <laughs> they probably still have like scars from being burnt by your light. And then they go find them and interview. Oh, that day came oh yes, it was very powerful. My God. Or around I thought it was Jesus Christ himself. <laughs> the moral of the story is Stop pedaling the bike and jump into faith. Stop pedaling the bike and jump into faith. That's good. It's real good. That's all there is to it. But to do it in the moment. <laughs>